Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Imagine, imagine somewhere unlike anywhere your human eyes have ever seen before. I know this will be hard for you because it's difficult to imagine any other world than your own, particularly if you're a grown up and your imagination has become stiff and hard and slow. So remember what it was once like to be a child, if you must, to help you imagine this other world, this other planet. This planet is called Excelsior. It has three moons, one pale orange, one a beautiful turquoise, one purple and green. The sun is redder than your own sun and many of the mountain ranges are striped, almost as if they are made out of candy. And oh, the jungle in that world. A jungle so green it makes your eyes ache with rivers that burn and smoke. Now, Calm your breathing, for there are truly terrible things in this planet's jungles who hunt by the smell of fear and they hate human beings with a hungry, bloody hatred. The instant you find yourself becoming anxious, the sweat beginning to form in your forehead, the first flutterings in your stomach make your heart slow down. Hold your breath. Are you ready? Hang on to the sides of this book very tightly. Sharpen your wits. Cling tight to the hairs on the back of my neck. We're going in. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Cressida Cowell is the author and illustrator of the best-selling series, The Wizards of Once, and How to Train Your Dragon. Today, I'm talking to Cressida Cowell about her new book, Which Way to Anywhere. Cressida, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Lovely to be here. As I was reading Which Way to Anywhere, I was wondering what came first the story or the drawing? And then it occurred to me that maybe, just maybe, you can't separate one from the other. Tell me about the way you create. That's interesting. Yes, I I really can't separate one from the other. I studied English at university, but then I went to art school and I do all of the illustrations. So I'm almost like, I guess, I'm like a, a film director in a way, except I'm doing everything. So I'm I'm writing the story, I'm painting the sets, I'm designing the characters, I'm doing all the research, I'm, you know, being all the actors, the music, the poems, the story, you know, everything. And, you know, finding my way into the characters visually at the same time as as, as writing, the, writing the words. Um, so it's very much for me a, a, a process that comes all together. And when you're drawing, what kind of mediums do you work in? It looks like pencil, but there looks like some other things are going on as well. It's a lot pencil. And there's a reason for that. It's pencil because that's the medium that children use. So it's very child friendly. Everything I do is is designed to invite the child in. If it's too perfect, if it's too kind of polished, that's a bit off-putting. But these books, I mean... The dragon ones look like they've been torn by dragon's talons. The, the kind of which way to anywhere looks like it's splashed with ink. And the books are kind of glinting. They look like sweets, not Brussels sprouts. Look, it says, hello, children. But I like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily aiming this totally at you. I'm aiming this at kids. And so, 
you know, so they say, hello, children, lollipops, you know, this is going to be, you know, and then once you've got them, once you've got them in the story, then you can educate the life out of a baby. <laughs> that's, that's my cutting gland. So it's pencil and sometimes ink to get the splashing and the, and the kind of feeling of accident into it. Sometimes they are, are trying to say, come in, you know, you could do this. This is a, this is a kid book. This is for you. And they're kind of cutting through the text in a very energetic way to carry the child through the story. Other times, there's a real mixture of illustrations. So sometimes they're world building. So then I'm using a different kind of a pencil, you know, more like a, an HB or a 2H or a, a tiny one to, to give the sense of that this might be a, a world that is real. Um, but I'm using those mediums in, in very different ways for different effects, because these are stories that are adventurous, but there is also emotion. So those kind of gentle, kind of um, more intuitive illustrations carry the emotion that you feel for one of the characters. Whereas the kind of world-bending illustrations are used in action moments. My stories are emotional at the same time, and they're funny, but they're also adventure. So I have to have a, a medium that can carry all the, the, those things, if you see what I mean. And it was certainly an adventure for me. And at first I couldn't really tell where the story had begun or I'd missed something or where it began exactly. And I gathered it begins with this phrase. This is a book with four heroes. Who will be your favourite? Now, among those heroes are two characters who go by the name of Oh Hero. Tell me about the four characters plus one baby who populate which way to anywhere. For the first time, this is a story about a whole family, and it's from two different families. It's a blended family from two families, which have become one, and they haven't necessarily been asked about this. The O'Hero twins, their mother has married the father of Theo and Mabel, and the two sets of children, not asked, not happy about it, are arguing. This is a situation that a lot of children find themselves in nowadays. And the one thing that the two sets of children can agree on is their baby sister, Anna Peck. And the twins, the O'Hero twins, who I know I play a lot of games. I'm very, I'm quite sophisticated in the way I try and challenge a child. So I call the O'Hero twins, the O'Heroes to make you think, are they the heroes? Are they really the heroes? And then you've got Theo and Mabel, whose name is Smith. And that's a most ordinary name you could have for some not so ordinary children. Exactly. So, oh gosh, I don't want to give anything away, but at the beginning of the story, we think the O'Heroes are from a magical family that is trying to keep their magic secret in a modern world that is not very friendly towards magic, you know, a bit prejudiced, not very open-minded. You know, you'd stand a good chance being carted up off to some laboratory to be <laughs> tested on if anybody suspects your magic. So they're trying to keep their magic secret, even from the Smith children. So we think the Smith children aren't magic, but the course of the story begins to make you realise that possibly they are and that all the children have gifts. Now, we're suddenly launched into a scene with K2 O'Hero and his flying robot Puck running through a particularly terrifying forest pursued by people eating plants but then uh, the author interrupts the story saying, perhaps that was a little too scary an opening. Where does the story really begin? 
Well, that's a very good point. That's a question I'm I'm asking the reader. I'm always asking the reader questions by doing this kind of thing. I mean, I start in the beginning of the action again, very deliberately because I'm trying to catch the kids' attention. I'm trying to, rather than kind of doing a whole load of, you know, explanation about what, I'm getting you right in there and saying, you know, this is where the stakes are going, guys, yeah? The narrator figure serves a purpose of getting the kid to, uh, I'm worried about saying this because it's going to sound very grand. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I'm I'm not going to hold back. Okay. The narrator figure is done very deliberately because it's inviting you to reflect on the story all of the time. I always do that in How to Train Your Dragon and Wizards of Once. I always have a narrator and it's Brecht. This is the grand bit, but (laughs) Brecht will do this. As in Bertolt. Yes, this is (laughs) the occasion. This really will be an education for the children. (laughs) Yes. This is an education for the children. Children, you can ignore this bit. You know, I don't, you know, I don't go into this in the story, but that's actually what I'm doing. I mean, I'm drawing a chalk circle and saying, maybe you'd like to consider what's going on here. Um, so I'm doing two things. I'm telling an adventure story, and I'm also telling a story that is inviting the kid to reflect on what's going on in the story. Now your story's full of an amazing array of other characters. One of my questions is, what is a poor wandering geography teacher doing in this story? Okay, before I get on to that, I have to tell you about K2's magical gift. K2 and Isabel do have gifts. I said they were magic. And K2's magical gift is a pretty cool one. I would have loved to have this gift as a kid. His gift is drawing maps of fantasy worlds that are actually real. And a piece of paper has two sides, doesn't it? I mean, on the one side of the piece of paper, K2 draws a fantasy map. And on the other side of that piece of paper, he draws somewhere he knows well, like, you know, his house, the bottom of his garden, you know, the airing cupboard in his house, yeah? And then he draws a cross on both sides of the piece of paper that shows the crossing points between the worlds. What it means for the kid reading it is it means that you could go into your airing cupboard and be able to cross through into another world. It's like a wrinkle in time. And this, this is what we call a witch way. A witch way. Now, this is a great gift. And, and it's also, it, it saves so much. You see, I'm a practical person. It saves so much time and money on space travel, doesn't it? You know, you could just... <laughs> And as a result, bad people are going to want to get hold of that gift. Yeah, because, of course, there are other worlds in the universe. You know, this is this is the piece of position, by the way. We really do think there's life on the other side of the universe. It's just that it's so far away. We haven't got there yet. So this is why Cyril Cyril turns up as a geography teacher in their school. And he's not a geography teacher at all. He's an alien. Um, and yes, of course. And he's trying to get hold of the kid who has the gift. Sounds like something worthwhile, something worth worth getting hold of. Now, it's full of heroes. The people are even called a hero. And I was struck by this phrase, there's nothing like an adventure to find out if you're a hero or not. And that reminds me of another hero, Hiccup Horrendous Haddock III, another of your heroes who overcomes obstacles on his journey of becoming a hero the hard way. Are the O'Heroes and the Smiths hero material? And what makes a hero anyway? 
that's why I'm writing. Writing is about growing up, really. Um, and all of the characters, not just the children, have to have to grow up and have to challenge themselves and, and be heroic. I think I'm always, I'm interested in books that teach you life lessons and that are wise and get you to reflect on what you're doing and what what are heroic qualities I'm not just because I'm writing for children doesn't mean I'm not asking the important questions and these can be big questions you know in How to Train a Dragon it's all about you know what kind of a leader do we deserve being a hero is can be maybe standing up against your twin who's being a bit bossy and might be going in the wrong direction being a hero could be standing up against somebody who's bullying somebody else in your class. You know, I'm I'm inviting children to think, and adults to think about these things all of the time. And I don't tell you the answers always either. I'm often asking you to reflect. That's exactly what came to me when I was reading this book. There's this line between the magic of your book and the reality and behind the magic, behind the alternative multifaceted worlds of which way to anywhere, if I may say, is a human story. That's really important that the adventure has human stories that change the person who is in the story. You know, they go on an adventure. K2, I hope, I don't want to give things away, learns something. Isabel learns something. Theo, they all learn. All of the characters, you're taking them on a journey. But you're also taking the reader on a journey and asking them to reflect. And you're taking me on a journey I'm taking myself on a journey I'm always doing that how, and everything is mixed up with my own life as well in order to make it resonate how to train a dragon really I just had a baby when I wrote how to train a dragon 20 25 years ago and it really could have been called how to train your baby or how to train your parent <laughs> it's all about that you know you know what kind of a parent do you want to be what kind of a because hiccup is well, he's being a, a child and, you know, Stoic is trying to learn how to bring up a child who's very different from himself. But Hiccup is also being a parent to Toothless. Anyway, and I'm being a parent to my own So everything all is mixed up in a personal story. And that's really important because why did it speak to so many people across the world? Well, because it's based on my own feelings. Being honest about that, other people who are in that same situation you know, they bond with the story, don't they? They do. Let's get back to the magic for a moment. The living maps. Your maps are like living things, which is part of the magic of which way to anywhere. You have this thing called an alternative atlas. How does the alternative atlas work? Well, the alternative atlas is the collection of maps that K2, who has the atlas gift, that's where he 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 keeps all of the maps in his own homemade alternative atlas. And all of these maps show the which ways, you know, what becomes apparent is that their house on planet Earth is at the crossing of the ways. And so his atlas shows all the crossing points into all the, uh, the various worlds. So it, it becomes a very um, desirable and dangerous, dangerous gift that lots of bad people <laughs> want to get hold of this kid and this wonderful atlas. But again, it's, a, it's also intoxicating. Well, it would have been intoxicating, particularly to me as a nine-year-old. I loved drawing maps. I, I love maps anyway. And the idea that those maps 
might be real. I mean, and a lot of children's books do start with maps. It's interesting. I've always been interested in maps. Somebody kind of like um, the guy who wrote Treasure Island, Robert Louis Stevenson, he said, before I thought of the idea, he wasn't an illustrator, Robert Louis Stevenson, like me, but he said before he thought of the idea for Treasure Island, he drew the map. And as I drew the map, the pirates came creeping out of the map at me, Long John Silver, his cutlass between his teeth. So the act of drawing the map gave him the idea for the story. Every copy of, of Treasure Island, you'll see that map, that one, that map that the author drew. Um, but a lot of children's books start with maps. Um, so I thought it would be really interesting and and fun to center a story around an alternative atlas. I'm saying that this is a real planet, some somewhere else on the universe, you know, somewhere else far away that we can't quite get to. I'm being a bit naughty. <laughs> I'm always a bit naughty. I'm mixing fantasy and science in this case. I do a lot of research into science and then I blend it with fantasy, but it's all pretending that it's real. Which I think as a child, I'd have found that very intoxicating. Well, it just might be real in some alternative universe. You never know. You never know. You never know. One thing I'm trying to do in my books is create a real sense of wonder and a kind of a teasing in a way, but a thoughtful teasing about, you know, what we don't know. You know, we think we're so clever, but there's so much that we don't know. And I'm as interested in that as I am in in, in what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful view of life. And this is a fantastic book. And I don't think I've ever had a conversation with an author quite so joyous. So Cressida Carr, thank you so much for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you so much. I've been talking to Cressida Carr about her new book, Which Way to Anywhere? It's published by Hodder Children's Books and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.